Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lats the Lats Factor Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 230 of the Lax Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hoost, and today we're going to continue on with my preseason top 20. I'm going to talk about my numbers 14 through 17 today, and as always, be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and you can always go to laxfactor.com. You can watch our podcast videos there or listen to the audio version. You can get t-shirts and apparel that we have, all custom designs by me. Uh, we got a new one here, the smiley face one, and we've got the dog, lacrosse dog. We still got club lacrosse all-star, and then to boot. We also have all the film review videos up here, so you can go to laxfactor.com, support us that way as well. I don't want to waste any more time, though. I want to get into it. My first team that I want to talk about here is uh, my number 17 team, North Carolina. They finished 8-6 and six last year, 1-5 in the ACC. That was kind of rough. Like Army, Carolina has to deal with losing a guy that put up like 6.3 million points in 2022. Chris Gray and many of his fellow top scorers for the Heels are gone, leaving a number of holes that they're going to have to fill offensively. A lot of question marks uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and they weren't a great defensive team last year either. But despite all of that, I, I do have a, a pitch for why I don't think they're going to fall too far off pace here from last year, and they might even be able to improve a little bit overall as a team. Like I said, gone is Chris Gray and his 80 points. He was 48 and 32 last year. Gone also are Nikki Solomon and Jacob Kelly. They're both going to be playing 2023 for Georgetown. Top returning scoring threats, and this doesn't sound great. Both of these players are incredible lacrosse players, but... It's not ideal if these are your only top two returning scoring threats. Are Lance Tillman? He was twenty-one and nine last year, and Henry Schertzinger at six and twelve. Now, I do actually like them in terms of Tillman being a a real goal scoring threat, and he can do that as a spot shooter or creating for himself. And uh, Schertzinger from the midfield last year did a lot of initiating of offense. Ended up with twelve assists to six goals. So they are both very good players and returning, and already familiar with the system. That's going to help. Carolina out a great deal. Now, like I said, though, that doesn't sound great when you're saying, hey, these are the only two returners. So enter a couple, a few, actually, key transfers on the offensive side of the ball that I think are going to help out and and make a big, you know, help make big improvements in terms of Carolina's overall offensive quality in 2023. Uh, the one that everyone is excited about, Sean Goldsmith, the Mercer standout, a proven scorer. He has been since his freshman year. He's amassed 111 goals to 44 helpers over his career. And that, those numbers would be a little bit higher if it wasn't for um, him missing. Obviously, everyone missed a COVID season, but he also had an injury season where he only played about half the games that year. So the kid is is a proven scorer across the board, can score highlight re- real goals, can you know pretty much do everything but as a goal scoring threat as a dodging threat 
and even to a degree an off-ball threat, this kid can do it all. The two guys, though, that I think are really going to tip the scales overall for Carolina and just add offensive depth at this point that they badly need, but not just that, but add a specific type of offensive player to their roster. Goldsmith kind of handles a little bit of that, hey, he can dodge, he can score goals. That's something Chris Gray did, but... Logan McGovern and Harry Welford, both transfers, these two guys are going to add depth at attack and make up for that loss. Not make up for the loss of Gray, but help in making up for that loss of Gray because both of them can generate offense for themselves as Gray could, but they play well with other players in terms of being solid role players on a team like this. So that's something UNC needed badly, just like the year Maryland lost Jared Bernhardt. They had to figure out, well, who's going to carry the ball for us and be kind of our initiator in uh, 2022. They had no no shortage of guys that could initiate and, and run, you know, kind of run that offense, draw a slide, and then just let the motion do the rest of it. And I, I don't think you're going to see that type of jump in efficiency out of Carolina, but I do think that it the fall off in terms of the offensive output, I don't think will be as bad as even I myself thought now that I see that they have these transfers coming in. Now, defensively, as I said, they weren't great last year but they bring back a very strong core of defensive midfielders as well as three or four close defensemen that all played a lot of minutes last year. Colin Krieg, he's also back in cage. He broke onto the scene in 2021, as many of you will remember, having a great year where he stopped 53% of shots and he finished 13-3 and in cage as the UNC starter. But that was a much different defense that was in front of him in 2021, anchored by Bowen who is now also at Georgetown, played Georgetown last year. Uh, so the UNC defense was not the same in 2022 as it was in 2021, and Krieg's uh, save percentage dropped from 53% down to 50%. Now, I don't think that's actually as b- that bad, considering the difference in terms of the quality of defense that he had standing in front of him. And the bulk of these guys are back and returning in 2022 or in 2023. So I think that defense should be a little bit better. They're strong at defensive midfield, as I said, and we'll kind of get into um, some of those numbers here. Uh, Lance Tillman, like I said, he's back 21 and nine. And he shot the rocket 28%. This is something we're going to see in terms of a trend here. Harry Scherzinger, uh, 6 and 12, shot the ball at 30.4%. Sean Goldsmith, he was 35 and 16 last year, shot 27.8%. Logan McGovern, 27.9% with 54 points. He's assist heavy, a 19 goals and 35 assist guy. So that will also be key. Harry Welford was 20 and 10 off 22.5% shooting. So what you see, North Carolina does not have a lot of, of dead eye shooters. They're all of them except for uh, Henry Scherzinger, who only put up six goals last year, are below 30% in terms of shooting. So they'll want to improve that a little bit. But I think that maybe a team that is forced to share the rock a little bit more, maybe they run a little bit more motion than they traditionally would have with Gray, who could just kind of do it all. Maybe that changes things, and we do maybe see these guys improve their shooting percentages a little bit, but that's something to watch. They're not a great shooting team overall. Face-off-wise, Andrew, I don't even know how to pronounce his name here, Andrew uh, Tyler R. It's a weird-ass name that I've got to spit out there. He won 51.3% of the face-offs he took last year, 27 ground balls. Carolina, not uh, uh, Tucci's gone, so you know they're going to have to figure out who's going to take the bulk of those draws. Matt Wright back on defense. He caused 12 turnovers, had 27 GBs. Alex Bresci, short stick D mid, eight cost turnovers, 18 GBs, and he put up three goals and a helper. Uh, Connor Mahar, uh, short stick D mid, eight cost turnovers, 43 GBs, one and one in goals and assists. Paul Barton on D's back, seven cost turnovers, 22 GBs, and he scored two and one.
one. Blake Gable's back on D, five cost turnovers. Colin Krieg, 503 save percentage, eight and six records starting 14 games. So you see this team has a lot of solid returners back on defense. They have the transfers to come in to help bolster the offense. So I don't think you're going to see a huge drop in terms of wins. I think this team, all in all, I have them at 17 because I think that's about what they deserve to be at considering how they did last year. But I have a feeling that offensive output, it's not going to dip as much as some think. And with a lot of experienced returners on the defensive side of the ball and a very capable goalkeeper, I think that this team should probably win about eight eight games again. And the reason I think they'll end up being ranked even with like an eight and six record or whatnot overall is because Syracuse dragged the quality of the ACC down, as I've been saying over and over and over again. So I think that as long as Syracuse doesn't shit the bed again this year, that that should keep an eight and six team in the ACC in the top 20. And I think uh, 17th is fair for Carolina. My next team that we have to talk about here now. Next team is Boston University. I have them sitting at number 16. They were 12 and 5 last year, 7 and 1 within their conference, uh, the Patriot League. They lost to Princeton in the NCAA first round. Now, the more I dug in to Boston University, the more I actually felt like I was doing them dirty putting them in at number 16. They bring back almost everyone from last year's 12 and 5 squad that won the Patriot League tournament and advanced to the NCAA tournament. Offensively, they get 10 of their top 11 scorers back from 2023. Their trio of attackmen, Vince Dalto, 75 points, Timmy Lay, 74 points, and Lou uh, Perfetto, 65 points. They're all back. Now, D'Alto was an honorable mention All-American, but Lay and Perfetto are right behind him. I mean, they're, they are as balanced of a trio of attackmen that you have coming back as you're going to see overall in terms of talent. And I'd say this trio of attackmen is probably one of the top five returning groups overall in terms of guys that all three of them are coming back. And, and not not too many teams have a scenario in place where all three of their starting attackmen from the year before are back and where all three of them are such uh, uh, prolific scorers overall. Uh, Jake Cates and Tommy Bork put up 29 points and 28 points respectively, both back at midfield. The only player that scored more than five points last season that isn't back is Christian Quadrino, but everyone else returns. Now, defensively, it is not much different. Roy Meyer, he was the first-team All-American in 2022 as an LSM. I actually didn't believe the stat when I first saw it, but the kid caused 58 turnovers in 2022. I thought it had to be like one of those duplicate stat errors that I've been seeing over and over again on these sidearm sport powered sites, but no, it actually looks like that was his real number. Also back close defensemen, Dane DeGoler, Patrick Morrison, and Will Carson. Connor Calderon is more, he's a serviceable faceoff guy. He's also back. And then even better overall, Matt Garber's back to uh, mind net. Uh, for Boston U. He should be able to improve upon his 5-3-6 save percentage from a season ago with all of the talent that he has standing in front of them. And if we kind of run through the numbers here, D'Alto, 45-30, and 30, shooting 32.1%. The, the entire group of attack here between D'Alto, Lay, and Perfetto, all of them excellent shooters, all of them above 30%. They don't turn the ball over considering how much of the scoring they do overall. Jake Cates, he was 21-8. and eight. Bork was 21-7. and seven. Uh, Like I said, Calderon, he won 53% of the draws, so that is solid with 98 GBs and two goals. Uh, the big one here, Ron Meyer back at LSM with his 58 cause turnovers. 
And then, like I said, Garber, 53.6% save percentage with a 12 and three record or 12 and five record starting all 17 games. Now you can see how I feel a bit guilty for putting Boston U in at 16 here. And uh, as I was writing this up, then I get to the next team and I get to the next team and I feel a little bit less guilty. But, you know, they, they could easily be 15, I think, overall. I would, you know, I don't think people would be mad at me if I put them at 14, but I, I have them here at number 16 overall. The top half of the Patriot League is a pretty rough draw. So I think for them, uh, taking care of business within the Patriot League, not dropping any conference matchups that they should handle and then their non-conference schedule isn't cake either they start with vermont they play bryant and then they have umass before getting into some of the easier patriot league contests uh and then they get in i think they play harvard and yale within that mix in the middle of their patriot league play so they're going to have to they didn't lose a game last year all year that they should be ashamed of you know they lost to the likes of yales and and quality teams like that they'll need to repeat that handle their business, not lose any bad games, and they'll have a very good chance of running through their tournament and then getting into the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, I think this is one of those years where for the first time, one of these kind of mid-level teams like a Boston U, a Delaware, could potentially not win their conferences and then still make the NCAA tournament. That's not going to happen with Delaware. I don't think if they don't win their turn, their conference, the CAA is not strong enough, I don't think, for them to get in at large. But a team like Boston U, the Patriot, could very easily send two teams to the tournament. I still like them as being the favorite in the Patriot for sure, but you never know the Patriot League is a rough conference overall. My next team that I want to talk about here is Harvard. Now, once again, not an insane record or anything like that. Eight and five overall, three and three in the Ivy. They lost to Rutgers in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Harvard has a roster makeup very much like Boston U's, as is the next team I'm going to talk about. They bring back almost everyone. The big loss is last season starting goalie, Kyle Mullen. He departed to play for Rutgers in 2023. The transfer bug bites everyone, bites a lot of the Ivy League teams overall. But beyond losing their starting keeper, their roster looks pretty good on paper overall for 2023. Star attackman Sam King will be back, rocking the greatest number in all of college lacrosse, number seven. Uh, I have my old number, uh, my old Broom jersey when I played at Broom, my number seven up there on the wall. He's a true 50-50 threat overall. He put up 25 goals, 21 assists last season as a first-year player in the Ivy. Austin Madronic, their second-leading scorer, he's the only guy. He had 44 points last year. He's the only guy for Harvard offensively that's not back. Everybody else is back. Guys like uh, Miles Botkus, Owen Gaffney, Hayden Cheek, Nick Loring, Andrew Perry, all of those guys put up 20-plus points last season, and they're a great complement to a guy like King. Now, defensively, things look almost a solid. Third-team All-American LSM Greg Campisi is back to anchor that defense along with Colin Bergstrom, Chase Yeager, Tommy Martinson, Ray Durth, Chase Strupp, and the list goes on overall. Again, they're going to have to figure out who they're going to stick between the pipes, but you know, with that group of guys standing in front of whatever goalie you put in there, you like his chances of being in the area 50 to 53% overall, depending on how they gel. As I said, Sam King, 25 and 21, 29% shooting, but he's kind of a volume guy. Miles Botkiss, 23 and 4 off 40% shooting. Gaffney was 17 and 9 off 30% shooting, so they have a good shooting team coming back overall. 
Like I said, Campisi, 14 cost turnovers, 40 cheap, 40, uh, 46 GBs. Uh, uh, Ray Durth, short stick D mid, nine cost turnovers, 18 GBs, two helpers. So defensively, they're bringing back a wealth of experienced guys. But who's between the pipes in the end is going to matter. But like I said, that level of experience returning, I think the only thing that could keep Harvard out of the top 15 by the season's end is going to end up being the brutal nature of the Ivy League. I mean, maybe their goalie will suck and that'll hurt them, but I, I doubt that that's going to be the case. Most Division One goalies, if you put a solid defense in front of them, they're going to all be serviceable. Yeah, when we're talking about this level. So they're going to have to handle the Ivy. Three and three last year, they're going to have to at least do that. But then they open with Virginia. They face Vermont. They have Boston University. So they have virtually no gimme games on their schedule. They play Bucknell and Michigan. Uh, Bucknell was a nine-win team last year. I think Michigan won seven and was was pretty tough. And I think Michigan will be a little bit improved as well. So, you know... They've got to handle their business. They they can't drop any bad games, but as so long as they handle that business, I think that they have a good shot at keeping themselves at least within the, the top 20 by year's end. Getting a bit into the NCAA tournament is going to be much different this year. I don't think the ACC is going to be nearly as weak this year. So, you know, the Ivy loses at least one of the bids they got last year, most likely to the ACC. And you can make the same argument with the Big Ten as well. The next team that I want to talk about is my number 14 team, and this is going to be the Delaware Blue Hens. Now, you know, kind of I see a trend developing here that the middle of the pack here between between 10 and 20, all of these teams, you know, kind of bunched together within this region are just are all bringing back a boatload of talent. And Delaware returns, I think, you know, probably the best overall group of attackmen in the country in J.P. Ward, Mike Robinson, and Ty Kurtz. They're, in my opinion, the most dynamic and deadly group of attackmen in the land, and they play incredibly well together. And, I mean, there's there's going to be a group of three attackmen at the highest levels of Division One that are probably better overall than these guys. My point being, all three of these guys killed it last year, and all three of them are back to try to kill it again for Delaware. And, and another important thing, all three of them had shooting percentages above 32.5, and they take care of the ball. They combined for 83 turnovers between the three of them. That sounds bad, but they played 19 games last year. So divide that by 19, they scored 7.6 goals for every 4.3 turnovers. That is a solid goal-to-turnover ratio out of your top three attackmen. Their schedule, not as brutal as a lot of other teams overall, but, you know, still, they, they, they played really well, especially with that upset over Georgetown in the NCAA tournament. Now, as with Harvard and Boston U, Delaware only loses one of their top scorers. That's Mark Bita, who had 50 points in 2022. Uh, back are Clay Miller, Drew Lincatis, uh, and a plethora of other guys that all put up, you know, decent number of points and played a lot of minutes in 2022. Defensively, they bring, and this is why I'm most excited. Offensively, those three attackmen are killers. They have a good group of midfielders to complement them well. But defensively, they bring back second team All American Owen Grant. He is a beast. He can cover anyone. He blends size with agility and a bit of a mean streak. And to top it all off, he can get up the field as if he's a short stick D mid with offensive skills. 
Uh, he's going to do big things in 2023. Also back, Kevin Lynch, Reed Kurtz. Uh, Reed Kurtz. They play alongside of Grant, and then uh, they and they between the three of them, they started almost every game last season. I could keep listing guys too through their roster that have 12 or more caused turnovers over and over, but I think it's enough to say they return just about everyone that mattered in 2022, including their goalkeeper, Matt Kilkiri. He's back in cage after stopping the rock at a 53% clip in 2022. He appeared in 16 games and made 12 starts, but between the two goalies that got, you know, any level of time last year, he's by far the best. And he is back as well. As we look at the numbers here, one thing I want to point out, JP Ward, he was 40 and 32 shooting the rock at a 37% clip. Mike Robinson, 53 and 15, shooting the rock at 32.5%. And then Ty Kurtz, 52 and 15. I mean, that is those are ridiculous numbers for three attackmen on the same team to put up. You see uh, Kurtz a little bit more off ball than the other guys, turned the ball over less as well. But right down this roster, I mean, they're, they're not going to be I'm, – I'm, I'm pointing things out off screen that you can't actually see. But as you look down the roster – they return almost every, like I said, they legitimately return everybody that mattered overall. And I heard people chirping me in terms of face-off guys. I did legitimately forget to talk about face-off guys in the first video. And in this video, I'm only going to talk about the face-off guys because I'm talking about the key returners. And if you're a below 50% face-off guy, you probably don't deserve being mentioned, you know, as one of the key returners, unless there's, you know, some kind of extenuating circumstance overall. So where I'm not talking about faceoff guys, Delaware was not a very good faceoff team last year, even with a weaker schedule than most of the teams I'm going to talk about in this top 20. So that's why I didn't talk about them. All in all, all in all, as we go through Delaware, we should see a repeat out of them of last year's success. I can't see them not making the NCAA tournament, mostly because I can't see them not getting out of the CAA and not win. I, I assume they're going to win the CAA tournament. Oddly enough, they were only three and two in the CAA last year, losing to UMass and Hofstra before then sweeping and winning every CAA, CAA contest from there on out, including through the tournament. But Overall, I think just the way their schedule's broken up, they start with Penn, but then they face Lafayette, the Mount, St. John's before taking on Villanova in Michigan. So like a five, let's say they lose to Penn, a five and one to five, uh, seven and one start isn't out of the question for this team before they then face Johns Hopkins and then get into the rest of their CAA schedule. So I like them for making the NCAA tournament again. They're obviously my favorite for the CAA. But, man, if you get a chance to watch them, those three attackmen are absolutely incredible. If you can find the video on YouTube of that Georgetown game, you will be impressed with what they do offensively. But it was only a 10-9 game, I believe it was. Defensively is what I like about this team. The fact they're bringing back almost all of the experience from last year's team, including a goalkeeper, I think that's important as well. So Delaware, my number 14, a great team. And uh, that is it for today's episode. I've got us down to 14. The next video, uh, at least the next Sunday podcast I do, I will get us from, uh, I'll do 13 down through into 10, and then I'll probably, over the next few before the season starts, I'll, I'll go from, uh, 10, uh, from 10 to 5 and then from you know 5 down. So two more podcasts, or three more podcasts, and we'll have this completely done. And then I'll put a nice big page together up on Lax Factor to, to kind of summarize it all. So I, and I apologize. I did not, I was not able to do a film review video on Friday. We had no power. We lost our power uh, Thursday night. 
and uh, we, our oven actually quit and almost like it could have potentially burned our house down, but the breaker did its job. It tripped and uh, we were without power for all night into the morning. So I wasn't able to get a video out for you Friday. I'll make up for that and I'll get one out again next week. But that's it, guys. Come back on Wednesday for another podcast. I'll recap this weekend's PBLA NLL action. I may even do a couple more of my top 20s. We'll see. And then, like I said, Friday's film review days. Fridays are for film reviews. And Sunday, as every day, is the the big college lacrosse show uh, that we'll do throughout the season. So that's it. Uh, like I said, go to laxfactor.com. Support us that way. You can watch our videos there, but you can also get some dope T-shirts there. And um, I have nothing else to say. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And Hoost is out. The Lax Factor Podcast.